if we keep playing and fighting for each other, and no matter what happens, we just say, what's next? That's all we do. Somebody turn on some damn music. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need, money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro. The Moneyline Matadors, the Casino Cowboys, the Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. With the Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. How many times have I heard that intro? It's the first time I messed it up. <laughs> what was that look? <laughs> Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. We're in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. Today's Gambling Gauchos episode obviously brought to you by Cardinals here in the studio, but also Dave Campbell's football, the Republic of football podcast network excited to join excited to be here of course if you need to gear up for any football game or texas tech baseball game you can go to cardinals sports center online mycardinalsports.com or in person over there on 68th and slide in lubbock texas there's even a plain no led location i almost said plain view again it's been a while since i've done that but we're here we're ready to go spring football is really close but first kyle uh, explain two things to me. Explain why you're wearing West Virginia gear on a Texas Tech podcast, and then maybe just who we are as as people and as a podcast. Yeah, Dave Campbell's man. We're on hallowed ground right now. Uh, super excited and and honored to be part of this. Um, I think we're still uh, forming the squad, so to speak, assembling the Avengers, as it were. But there will be, hopefully, at some point, a podcast as part of this Republic of Football Network from every FBS school in the state of Texas. And so we're, of course, going to do our part for the flagship of West Texas and represent Texas Tech for Dave Campbell's. So happy to be here. Um, and yeah, why am I wearing a West Virginia hat? We might have some new listeners because we're on a different feed than our normal uh, podcast subscribers will be listening to, and maybe there's folks from around the state that have an allegiance to another fan base that are tuning in to learn a little bit more about Texas Tech. Something they'll learn about us, or at least something they'll learn that people say about us, is that we lean into doing some bits every now and then. No. And uh, one of the bits we decided to do, unfortunately, Texas Tech basketball in a bit of a rebuilding year. But we wanted to have some skin in the game during the NCAA tournament, so we thought, oh, let's use this as an opportunity to um, maybe make some inroads and make some friends with our, our conference brethren. And so we did a, 
was it wound up being what a seven bid league and we considered uh six of the seven schools from the big 12 that that made the ncaa tournament and ultimately landed on west virginia and so we're going to be west virginia mountaineers for at least through thursday hopefully through early april if they make it all the way to the final four and uh, it's been fun man I've, I've enjoyed life as a as a mountaineer so far well, uh, I mean, we almost saw a pit loss as our first uh, bit of business as West Virginia fans. Yeah. Uh, we did learn after that game to use the lowercase p. Yes. But uh, if we talk about West Virginia, just know we, we like all the Big 12, most of the Big 12 schools. We try to be yeah. uh, cordial, uh, but we are Texas Tech fans. We are generally a Texas Tech podcast, but we like to talk everything in the Big 12 uh, certainly, as we go through this football season, we'll focus on Big 12 football. Uh, but this episode, uh, we'll lean into some spring football news and notes for Texas Tech. Now, it's not started yet. Uh, the schedule is out, and I'm very excited about some things that may or may not go on. Um, but Kyle, first, you know, we started this uh, year, year and a half ago, two years yeah. ago. How long have we been going, man? About a year and a half. It was right before the 2021 football season. So uh, pretty young, pretty new, growing, uh, excited to get into year two. This will be our first year two for a football coach here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Year two of Tadlock. Uh, we had a year two of um, Mark Adams that we just went through. This will be our first year two. It feels like year three of Joey really. Because he got here in October of 21, 22, 21. Man, time flies, huh? Yeah. Well, something you touched on that we do like to have a bit of a Big 12 angle and like to sort of interact with fans that maybe aren't primarily Texas Tech fans. I think that's why this uh, Republic of Football Network is such a good fit for us. I, I hope that this, you know, helps us, you know, learn more about Baylor and Houston and TCU and maybe some of their fans will take more of an interest in Texas Tech and we can kind of grow this thing together because um, our our focus, our perspective has always been wider than just Texas Tech. I think that makes for, you know, smarter fans, more engaged fans if they know what's going on around the state and around the conference. And so couldn't be happier to be part of this network with Dave Campbell's and I think it plays right into what we're trying to accomplish together. Absolutely. So where do you want to start with this uh, spring football preview? Well, not... I don't think we're done introducing ourselves. Oh, what else do we need to know? Well, we're doing a, a football podcast that so people need to know our credentials. Okay. Well, you uh, are you talking about like high school football credentials? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about your. You're a collegiate big, athlete. I'm talking about your Big J journal coverage of the sport, my um, illustrious playing career. But yeah, we can we can give the people a taste of of uh, why they ought to listen to our football opinions, if you want. Okay. Yeah, I've been on uh, Lubbock Radio for eight years now. Seems like a long time. Uh, Card-carrying press member <laughs> off and on during those eight years. Um, won a state championship in high school. Uh, and the contr contribution I had, obviously, great practice player. A uh, practice player is very important in football. People don't Blue understand. Guy. I got the coach's award my senior year. Uh, but my sophomore year, we won state, and I ran down on one kickoff. That was my that was 
play I play. Oh no, you know what? I played a middle linebacker uh, because I was too slow to get back uh, out there because they didn't tell me until the play was starting. So the middle <laughs> linebacker stepped down to defensive tackle and I played middle linebacker for one snap in the uh, state championship game. They were up by like 50. So they were trying to quick sub and you couldn't get off the field in time? No, I was going out. That was like, they forgot. They were like, has everybody played? And I was like, oh, I haven't, but it's okay. And they're like, no, get out there. <laughs> so I ran out there. And the starting middle linebacker was still out there. He's like, who, who, no, we don't have it. And then he was like, saw me running. So he's like, oh, so he got down and I, I was the middle yeah. linebacker that play. I read I it mean, well. I mean, my, uh, you know, forgive me here. My, my list of credentials is just so extensive. I'm not quite sure where to start. Um, you're talking to a, a three, a three time three consecutive fantasy football championships. Yeah. Uh, intramural flag football champion at Texas Tech. The team that we probably would have lost to in the championship got disqualified for using a guy who wasn't a student at Texas Tech. So we, we had a good squad. We probably wouldn't have actually won at all had they not cheated. But, um, and then, yeah, I played played high school in Texas. And, of course, that's its own religion, as I'm sure a lot of Dave Campbell's followers know. Were you in the magazine? I I was um, my freshman year of college because they cover everything and I played Division three. That's how extensive their coverage is. They actually had I think a roster of our squad at Austin College, the Kangaroos. And to say that I played football for one semester at the Division three level is actually a bit of an embellishment. I was on the team for one semester. No, you play, man. Don't sell yourself short. And so that's when I decided to hang it up and transferred to Texas Tech. That's where I finished my collegiate career as a student. And then I, I went pro in something other than sports. So, um, But you and I, you know, this is funny. And I, I always took this as a compliment when we started the podcast. People were like, hey, the two of you have great chemistry. You know, how long have you all been friends? And I was like, I've, I've met the guy once in my life. Like, we don't know each other. Yeah. And the story about how we found each other to do this podcast, we were – we were Twitter mutuals and always seemed to just have like the same sense of humor. Like if I fired off a meme, I would see that you had pretty much the same sentiment, same joke, like two minutes earlier. So I was like, man, this guy's always, we're on the same wavelength. And the, so I do enjoy the meme stuff and, you know, try to be funny on social, but also um, at that time was had like spreadsheets of analytics and was like trying to find gambling edges. And I was like, Hey, you know, you and I should start a podcast with a bit of a sports betting angle to it. And you know, it doesn't have to be serious. We're not giving anybody financial advice or anything, but podcast that does some prop bets and just looks at things like line movement and totals, and we can make some picks just for fun, all that good stuff. So that's how we got started. And yeah, like you said, we've done two football seasons, um, headed for a third, and I think picked a good time because we were kind of in the middle of that Maguire mania when he was hired. And now there's a ton of excitement for him going into year two. So it's been a lot of fun so far. Your first big episode was us calling for Matt Wells to be fired. Yeah. We, we lasted much longer than most tech fans on the uh, Wells wagon. Yeah. You and I were, yeah, we tried, man. We did. We stuck it out, but eventually, you know, enough was enough. And it, it really excited about, Coach McGuire, obviously, as everyone is. I mean, Tech fans, uh, I know Craven is a huge fan of Joey McGuire. Um, even other schools are like, man, they, they really have it going on with Coach McGuire if he'll stay, which I feel is like a 
backhanded compliments sometimes, but you know, it is what it is. And hope he does stay long-term. I hope he, he doesn't go to, you know, another school in Texas that might have some deeper pockets. If you know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be unfortunate. That would be really unfortunate. That would be one of the worst things to happen. Well, I will say if it happens again, because it has happened before in a different sport, right? We're a little bit accustomed to it. Now I'm not going to be thrilled if that happens, but it would be, I think, less shocking than when Chris Beard left. And we don't have to. I just might have opened a yeah. can of worms. Well, and I don't think he would go to the same school. He might. I think another school's coach is eyeing that one, maybe. True. Yeah. Yeah. They might have shared a cover on uh, Dave Campbell's. They might have. Let's do this, Rob. Um, I do want to talk spring ball before that gets started here, but maybe just a recap of some off-season news because you know we haven't done a football episode in two and a half months since the Texas Bowl, which, by the way, how appropriate is that bowl game for for this new podcast network launch? Yep. You and I, we were big cheese at bowl fans, but in hindsight, maybe everything happens for a reason. And Texas Bowl, Dave Campbell's Republic of football so maybe that was the perfect fit for us um anyway texas tech football has kind of had a somewhat busy off season i'm, I'm thinking of three main storylines and feel free to um add on to this but zach thomas a uh, former pampa harvester or i shouldn't say former harvester former former football player once a harvester always a harvester gets inducted into the hall of fame Patrick Mahomes wins his second MVP, his second Super Bowl, his second Super Bowl MVP. And they blow up the south end zone at Jones AT&T Stadium. So, uh, you know, there haven't been any games. Spring ball hasn't started. Oh, and we've got the brand, season two. So they're staying busy, even though it's the offseason. Yeah, have you been watching the brand? I saw the first two. I don't think I've seen episode three quite yet pretty solid um I, I you know it's no it's no hard knocks but certainly any kind of insight you can get into the program is always fun uh, especially now not to bring up Matt Wells again but it's it's not Matt Wells fault that the 2020 season was kind of restricted obviously everybody's was we also had six years of Cliff Kingsbury that got you know more and more closed off as it went uh so the amount and I mean, if you're a high school football coach in Texas, you can go to any practice. Uh, it's always open. Uh, to the media, several are going to be open. So, you know, it's it's a, it's an open, welcoming situation there at uh, Texas Tech, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, you also had a top 25 recruiting class uh, really fast. Uh, the first The first guy who gets on campus – uh, like qualifies for the finals of the Big 12 championship indoor 60-meter hurdles. Um, he's a linebacker, by the way, not a wide receiver. Over six foot, over 200 pounds. Yeah. Just immediately as a freshman, 17 years old, qualifying for the finals of the Big 12 championship. I think he got sixth. Yeah. Sixth big or time, seventh. Big time RG3 vibes there. RG3 did the same thing out of Baylor. He was like supposed to be at his high school prom, and instead he's – running the 400-meter hurdles uh, that April or May, you know, at the outdoor NCAA championships. So, yeah, they recruited a very fast, very athletic class. 
And as we we're talking through that, thought of an opportunity to introduce potentially new listeners to another one of our bits that we do, which is start bench cut. Pretty self-explanatory, but for those maybe not familiar, you take three options. You start one, that's your favorite. You bench one, that's your second favorite, and you cut one, your least favorite. So these three off-season components of Texas Tech football, the brand, the players impersonating coaches, and the Texas high school competition days where the guys wear their gear from North Shore or Duncanville or wherever they went to high school. And what's your – go ahead and start bench cut those three off-season themes. I would start the impressions, and I have some takes on uh, Tyler Shuck's impression that we'll get to. Okay. Um, Tyler Shuck's impression of Kirk Bryant. I would start those. Oh, Kirk Bryant. Those were hilarious. Um, an offensive lineman had one of Hamby that was really funny too. I would, you know what? I would cut the brand because that's stuff that's already happened. You know, that's going back to last year, and you're, you're getting into it. But I would start the impressions and bench the high school, the high school shirts. What was even funnier is kids who didn't have like a high school shirt around didn't bring it or, or had lost them since they were, you know, seniors in college, were just drawing on. <laughs> they were making their own just to participate, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I, I think that's a great touch. Um, and, and it's why you hired Joey, right? It, it's for the high school recruiting connections in the state of Texas. And to McGuire's credit, he's never shied away from that. And people try to use that as almost an insult to him. They're like, oh, you know, Texas Tech hired a high school coach. Well, he, he refers to himself as that. He said that, I think, in his opening presser. He said, I'm a high school coach who happens to be a college coach right now, you know. And so the fact that he keeps players engaged with their high school alma mater and then in turn Texas Tech on their social channels has given love to Tony Bradford and Jalen Hutchings high schools where they came from, you know, I, I think that just helps you kind of maintain a pipeline to those schools that you're going to re-recruit year in and year out hopefully for years to come. And so they're, I think they've done a great job leaning into that part of why they were hired as a staff. And it's cool to see them not try to get away from what their identity should be. Like that's their natural strong suit and they're, they embrace it. Yeah, and you, you and I are pretty into the, you know, the, the recruiting and all that stuff. I wouldn't say I'm like a recruiting expert, but I try to pay attention as much as I can. There's a bunch of, there's other people that do it better, but I certainly try to pay attention, but, in the past, you might remember one or two high schools of a guy like, oh, he went to Lamar, or he's a North Shore guy. But now it's like, oh, yeah, Jalen Hutchings, Forney. He's a Forney Jackrabbit. And there's a bunch of other ones where you're just like, yeah, that high school, this high school, that high school, because it's so prevalent uh, even now, which is awesome. Absolutely. And certainly new. Yeah, you just don't really – uh, at least to my knowledge, you haven't really seen that at hardly any collegiate programs. Like there's no tie in back to the high school where you came from. Um, I, I don't know if they maybe did that at Baylor when he was an assistant there. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they did just because he, um, I, I think leaned into that high school coach deal when he was on staff at Baylor. Um, but yeah, I like that you're doing that. And I think he's got a unique perspective. This is something we've talked about before, you know, sometimes um, guys who have coaching experience in the NFL are smiled upon by the college football landscape 
it's like, oh, well, this guy knows how to get to the next level, and he knows what these pro scouts are looking for. He knows how to develop college players. Well, I think the same could be said about the transition from high school to college. And Joey coached guys at Cedar Hill all the time as juniors and seniors that were D1-type talents, and he might have an understanding of what prospects like that need to develop into good college ball players by their sophomore, junior year. And so I'm fine with us taking kind of a unique angle on that and um, continuing to, again, foster that pipeline to the various high schools across the state and, and leaning into that and saying, we're going to develop you from a high school player to a college player, and then maybe we'll worry about the collegiate to pro development later. But I think you're doing it a little bit differently, which I like. I think it, it makes you stand out. And I'm sure the high school coaches around the state appreciate that part of how he runs the program. Yeah, and that part is not new for Texas Tech. I think your most successful coaching staffs have pulled high school coaches up. Um, Art Bryles, first job out of high school, coming to Texas Tech. Uh, Mike Jinks was the best coach that Cliff Kingsbury hired when he got here. Uh, Emmett Jones was hired out of high school to Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, so I love it. And I love the the high school football nature of the program. Um, in our one of our first podcast after Joey McGuire had taken over the spring football uh, last year, we kind of commented on it that it's not a knock, but Joey runs this program like a high school program. And I guess you could make that a negative, but certainly with the jump in success you saw in year one, uh, arguably or inarguably, the best season at Texas Tech since 2009, um, it's hard to argue that it it's any kind of negative, right? I think so. And for all the downsides of how conference realignment has impacted, you know, the regionality of the sport and the traditional rivalries, in your case, you're now in the same conference as Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Houston, which I would say are four of maybe the five or six schools that you're most often recruiting head-to-head -head against. And that's where, again, I think maintaining that sense of like high school loyalty and everything is a good thing. Cause like, you know, if you, if you're on a high school roster with four or five D one guys, I'm like, okay, my buddy here is going to go to Oklahoma state. This guy's going to Baylor. I'm going to tech. Um, you know, I think it, it feeds into that. And then guys go back to their high school after a couple of years in college and you'll get to share with the younger guys still coming up to the program. And so I think it helps you hopefully win recruiting battles like that and stand out and, a guy like Tony Bradford or Jalen Hutchings or whoever goes back to their high school campus and maybe their maybe their cousin is a junior in high school looking to play D1 saying like, hey, at Texas Tech, they embrace our high school. They love our high school coach. Um, and, you know, maybe the same can be said about the other schools, maybe not. But I feel like we lean into that and embrace that more than a lot of the schools you're recruiting head to head against at those same Texas high schools. Yeah, and high school coaches love that. They love retweeting sure. stuff and seeing it on Twitter and Instagram that, that their school's there and they're screenshot that and putting that in yeah. group text and everything else. Yeah, they can point back to their guys and say, like, hey, that's an all-Big 12 defensive tackle wearing a North Shore T-shirt. Or, hey, that's an all-Big 12 wide receiver wearing, you know, whatever high school T-shirt. Uh, I, I think it's great. Yeah. I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm glad they embrace that. And the longtime uh, North Shore head coach now at Rice talking about high school coaches making the jump. Yeah, yeah. So, there you go, linebackers coach. Um, I, I guess I, we'll obviously get into spring football more and more as it actually happens. Um, 
But are there some storylines or whatever else you're particularly looking forward to in this spring football, Joey McGuire second, as you try to build past like what we said was the, the best season since 2009? Yeah, I think one storyline that I'm looking forward to and that hopefully people across the state are looking forward to uh, is wondering if Rahino Barbecue is going to be out at some of these open practices and scrimmages. Uh, of course, they're one of our sponsors here with the Gambling Gauchos. Maybe our friends from around the state who aren't from the Lubbock area haven't had a chance to try them yet. Uh, but if you do, if you travel back to Lubbock, either for if you got sons and daughters that go there, if you're coming to Tech for a game, go out to Olton or find their mobile food truck going all across West Texas. Rahino Barbecue, they were named Texas Monthly Top 50 Barbecue Joint. They have some really creative and good menu items. They have lunch specials now that are a good deal. The lines are long, so order ahead, RahinoBBQ.com. Give them a follow on social at RahinoBBQ so you can keep up to date with what they've got going on. So anyway, I hope at the spring game, Rahino Barbecue is there. Let's uh, let's organize. Let's go offense first. Okay. Um, just so we're not jumping all over the place. Um, I guess I guess we'll start here at the quarterback position. Um, Tyler Shuck arrives before the 2021 season. And the assumption is that he'll be one and done. And he gets hurt, doesn't get to finish that season, unfortunately. And then there was a question of, like, will he go back into the portal or something? Well, he comes back, wins the job a second time, and we think, okay, now it's one and done. Same kind of deal. He gets hurt. Um, thankfully, not for the entire season. He was able to come back in the second half, won some games, played well, and is coming back for year three, which <laughs> – um, I, I wouldn't have predicted when he first uh, committed to Texas Tech out of the portal. No. If you'd given me the over-under on two and a half seasons in Lubbock, I would have hammered the under. And so a bit of a surprise in the trajectory of his career that he's still here. But by this point, a guy with a lot of practice reps, a guy who's won the starting quarterback job at two different schools, three different seasons, um, I think – He's primed to be the front runner and probably is, I wouldn't say entrenched, but I think that's definitely the starting point going into the spring is that he's the starter. Baron Morton is the backup. Maybe they're open to a bit of a competition and Morton has a chance to outplay him, but I don't really view it as like a true quarterback competition. No, and I hope the reps are even in the spring. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But here's my Tyler Shuck take from the impressions. Now, you you know. I've never been a Tyler Shuck hater, but I have never been pro Tyler Shuck. I just haven't because I definitely got the feeling he was one and done when he got here. Um, didn't seem bought in. He came back. He seemed aloof. He seemed like he was just there to get to the NFL. He never really, to me, seemed bought in to the program or the brand. Now he said all the right things. Um, but I just never got the vibe that he was a real Texas Tech nut, right? Which you don't have to be. I certainly understand in this day and age that you're just here as a hired gun, a mercenary. But after he went 4-0 to end the season and undefeated in games he started and finished at Texas Tech, he kind of went off in the press conference. And at the time, I was like, God, that didn't seem like the right place to do that. But almost immediately after I kind of went through that 
thought process, it was like, whoa, he actually has some fire. He's actually, you know, taking this seriously. And then you start to see some personality. And you see him go out and win the bowl game. And you see him kind of break in and you see him in all these photos right around the program. And he's turning into this leader and he's been here three seasons and or he's going into his third season. And then he drops a hilarious three, four-minute video just impaling a coach like he's a natural, like he's a future SNL um, host after he wins a Super Bowl one season like Travis Kelsey just did. And it's like, out of nowhere, he's like this lovable two-year starter who's fought through all these injuries and is just a tough SOB that believes in himself and is grinding away. I have completely switched my thought process on Tyler Shuck. I love that he's back another year. I'm all in on him starting 12 games and being the next great, and I think Baron Morton's bought in to be the backup one more season and then have two or three years moving forward with him as a starter. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think you saw um, certainly a change in his demeanor and personality like you alluded to, but I think he was also able to disprove some of the stereotypes about him on the field. You know, he comes here from the West Coast, from Oregon, um, and he looks like the guy who would play the role of quarterback in a movie about a quarterback. Like, you know, so he's got the look. He's originally from Arizona, goes to school on the West Coast. I feel like people had this pretty boy perception of him. And he gets kind of a fluke injury his first season. And people are like, oh, well, he's, he's injury prone. He's, he's soft, which I never, I never bought into comes back second year it happens again so that narrative is just further entrenched in some people's minds but he comes back from that second collarbone injury and he's running the ball like 20 times a game in some spots he's not shying away from contact and he's showing that not only is he a good athlete he's a good runner he can break tackles he can make guys miss and that was always in my opinion an underrated element of his game like when people were going back between him and donovan i told you this a million times you probably got sick of hearing it People thought Donovan was a good runner and Shuck was a good passer. And I, I always said, guys, Shuck is faster and the better runner than Donovan is. And the strength of Donovan's game isn't his legs. Like he can pick up uh, some short yardage spots for you, but his best plays were actually uh, passing plays. Yeah. So anyway, when, when Shuck comes back, I mean, he, he did fine through the air, but uh, really made some teams pay and converted some key first downs converted in the red zone with his legs. And so I'm excited to see that element of his game going forward now that that's like pretty undeniably established. Um, I, I will say we only got to see, uh, we saw less than two quarters of healthy Baron Morton. And they were, in my opinion, insane. Like yes, in those less than two quarters, he put some throws on tape where I was like, this is not normal. Like, um, other starting quarterbacks in this league cannot make that throw. And those clips were from Oklahoma State, which at the time was a top 10 team. It was at Boone Pickens Stadium. And that's a redshirt freshman's first career start. And he's putting throws on tape that the guy who was lined up across uh, Spencer Sanders in five years didn't put a throw that impressive on tape. And so it was unfortunate for him that he gets hurt right before halftime in that game. He tries to come back 
I don't think he was ever fully healthy against Baylor, West Virginia, and TCU. And so if you were asking me today who has the higher ceiling, I think it's Baron Morton. I think it's I think he's certainly good enough to be the starter, um, but he's got this guy that um, by all accounts has incredible leadership qualities, has great athleticism, and can make all the throws you need um, entrenched ahead of him on the depth chart. And so I feel great about both guys. Part of me wants to see Baron Morton get more playing time, and we probably don't have time to get into all the like two quarterback, three quarterback stuff. So maybe you'll see them both on the field at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I expect it to be Tyler Shuck, and I feel really good about if, God forbid, Shuck gets injured again, I think the guy behind him is more than capable. In fact, I think he's a pretty unique talent, and Zach Kelly's kind of said as much. I mean, he even broke out a almost unfair comparison last offseason saying, you know, we haven't seen arm talent like this uh, since Patrick Mahomes. So I think the hype around Baron Morton is real. He he flashed some of it when he was healthy last season. And maybe we'll get to see him again this season. But, um, hey, at the very least, since we're talking spring football, it makes for some fun spring storylines. And even when the second offense is on the field, it can be electric when he's out there. Yeah, and I, I do hope it's a true quarterback battle. I, I just – I feel like you're in safe hands with either quarterback. Yeah. I do. Agreed. Uh, running back, feel great about You lose to Roderick Thompson, but everybody else is back, and you've added a name or two. Um, is there a running back that you think – I mean, is it just Taj Brooks's party, and then you're going to have the other two, Cameron Valdez and, and Bryson Donald, just kind of splitting reps? I actually don't think so. I think it'll be really close to 50-50 like it was with Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks, but this time with Cameron Valdez and Taj Brooks. Um, they're they're very different runners. Uh, Valdez has a really incredible burst and getaway speed. We saw that in the bowl game. Now he got the ball punched out at the one, um, which is a good, good lesson for him to learn in a spot where it wound up not being that consequential. Right. We saw him really pop at times as well. Also a guy, freshman coming back from injury, so we didn't really get to see him until the second half. But I would love to use those two as kind of a thunder and lightning duo. And, you know, I, I think hopefully there should be plenty of carries to go around because I think they could both tote the, rock, tote the rock 15 to 20 times a game, and you could be really successful doing that. Yeah, and I think Sir Roderick had underrated speed, but you did have a little bit of a thunder and thunder backfield last year. Especially with Shuck running as well. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in the bowl game, it was thunder, thunder, and thunder. Right. And, so, yeah. and then Valdez was kind of the pop of lightning at the end. So if you're going to focus on running the ball, which we can talk about later, um, you absolutely have the tools to do it. And speaking of, I think your offensive line will be improved. You have some returners. I think you have some returning starters that aren't going to play. Um which will be interesting. Uh, I think most of them will play. Uh, but you're going to have a group of returners and some fresh legs, maybe at tackle. Um, I don't know that I'm prepared to say a starting five. Uh, I think this is a wide-open offensive line room um, moving forward into spring football. Yeah, I think you, you know, a term that you like to use, Rob, is that you out-recruited yourself, and, and that's a good thing. You know, the fact that you have guys that, played a bunch of snaps last year that maybe 
aren't in a position to do so this year means that you improve that position group. Now, um, I'm not trying to single out any individual players, but I think it's fair to say objectively that Caleb Rogers was a bit of a disappointment last year. I mean, he's one of three or four guys pegged to represent you at Big 12 media days, starting left tackle, and especially the first half of the season, didn't quite live up to the billing. Although I will say he, I think, improved a lot. Absolutely. And so there's been discussion like, do you move him inside? Do you move him to the right side? We'll see. Um, at this point, he's still a guy that has more experience than others on the line. And if he can develop this offseason, I think he'll be in the running. Monroe Mills, first-year starter, was a transfer from Oklahoma State. I think he might have been one of your more consistent pieces. Didn't overwhelm you or anything, but um, for all the issues you had with that position group at times, he was rarely um, the root of those problems. And so I think he'll factor in maybe not at that right tackle position again because you can move these guys around. Right. A name that's coming back but who didn't play last year, Cole Spencer, he was kind of rumored to be your best offensive lineman on the entire unit and due to a back injury missed last season. He followed um, Kitley and Hamby from Western Kentucky. So you add him, I think he's viewed as more of an interior guy. Um, and then you get Rusty Stotts, another transfer from Western Kentucky. Uh, I think he'll be the starting center in all likelihood. So, yeah, you should have some good competition. And you've got Landon Peterson coming back. I think he's injured throughout the spring, so unfortunately he's missing those reps. Jacoby Jackson, a young guy who started some games at guard, was in the rotation a lot at guard. He'll be competing for a starting spot. So, yeah, I think you you do have the opportunity to, you know, maybe a guy who was sort of fifth or sixth in the rotation last year gets bumped down to seventh or eighth. And, and that's a good thing. If you've got a more talented, more experienced guy to move in ahead of him, hopefully that bodes well for you. And I'll say Stephen Hamby, the offensive line coach, did a great job. You know, he, for the most part, is taking what's given to him. He, he did bring in some transfers. But that unit from game one to game 13 probably improved more than any other unit yes. on either side of the ball. Agree. And that's coaching. It's a credit to the players as well but that's coaching. And so I'm excited to see what he can do with another full off season with those guys plugging in some new faces. And I hope that that goes from a unit that was a little bit of a concern for you last year to more of a, an asset for you this year. Yeah. Two more names. Dennis Wilburn started yep. every game at center will probably be a right guard or just not starting. Um, then you also have Ty Buchanan who started a game, got hurt, kind of was in and out, played a lot, but another young guy who, uh, should develop and and start seeing starting reps. Um, last year, I think you had four good starting offensive linemen to start the year. You need five. I think this year, heading into the next year, you have seven quality Big 12 offensive linemen. Um, should, which is a big difference between four, maybe three, uh, last year. And it's a lot of the same guys, but I do think they improved uh, by the end of the year. I think so too. And, uh, you know, we're also, we haven't discussed the idea. Now this is a position group where I would never, never count on a true freshman, but do you have a, a redshirt freshman whose name, like we didn't see it all last year, maybe like a Seth Martin or is any, anybody like that at least ready to give you depth and be, you know, number seven, a guy who can play either tackle or either guard spot and come in if somebody gets hurt or just, you know, if you're if you are running the Kitley offense like it's supposed to, and you're running 90 plays a game, um, can you 
swap him in for one drive each half to sort of spell another guy. So, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a young guy who's ready to contribute to that we haven't even heard from quite yet. Yeah, great offensive lines have 10 bodies. So I don't I don't think you're approaching that yet, but you also have a good a couple of good blockers and a former offensive lineman himself, uh, Coach Cochran, who had a great uh, coach impression video as well. I believe that was uh, Mason Tharp, maybe, <laughs> that did that one. But Tharp and Cup, uh, the law firm of Tharp and Cup back, um, excited for that. I thought Cup really came on late last year. Um, I think Kitley maybe either Kitley or playing three different quarterbacks or um, the inconsistency of the tight end. You didn't really ever see them uh, get huge playing time, but Cup is a guy who caught a touchdown, the touchdown against Iowa State, uh, caught the biggest touchdown of the Texas game that kind of got you back into it. So really excited about that and just kind of flowing right from tight ends to wide receivers. You can talk about both. Um, I'm probably most intrigued by the wide receiver room because beyond Dran Bradley, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do not know how that is going to shake out. Yeah, I mean, you do have um, Miles Price and Xavier White coming back at the inside receiver spot. Um, both of them played well at times last season, especially Xavier White. He had a three-game stretch. I don't remember the specifics. I think he had two touchdowns, was averaging 100 yards per game, you know, six or seven catches per game in that stretch. Yeah, so with Baron he filled in marvelously for Price when Price was injured. Uh, so I actually feel good about that spot. And then you're adding the transfer from Austin P. Dre McRae, who, if you look at his FCS numbers, it's insane. And I would understand some skepticism, like, well, that's a totally different level of competition. True. But he also played three games against FBS competition. He played Alabama, Ole Miss, and I'm, I'm blanking on the third one there. But there's, like, no drop-off in his production. Like, against Alabama, he had, like, eight receptions for 90 yards or something like that. Um, he had multiple games with two-plus touchdowns, multiple games with 150-plus receiving yards. So he's a guy that I think has elite speed. I don't know if he's going to play inside or outside. But he's in addition at that spot that I think that was your biggest detriment last year. You didn't have anybody who could really take the top off the defense. And I think that's what he can do for you. So he's certainly a name to watch if he can acclimate to this level of competition and his speed is as legit as it's made out to be. He, he's going to be a guy that can make some big plays for you. Yeah. And the reason I say, I don't know, because you have so many returners, like, are you going to play with more four four wide? Are you going to have Dre McRae replace, or is he going to play the Jareth Stern role that we thought Miles Price would play last year? Um, is Miles Price going to get more involved? Uh, is Xavier White going to get more involved? And I just are you going to run you the ball Brady more? Boyd. Brady Boyd. Yeah, Brady Boyd play inside and outside last year. Yeah, I, Boy, I, think, can... I think really the only spot that you feel really confident about is Jaron Bradley at, at one of the outside spots. Yeah. And even that was not really resolved until late last season because he was rotating with three other guys, Trey Cleveland, who transferred to North Texas. His head coach will be Eric Morris, by the way, former yep. Red Raider. Yeah. Uh, but you still have J.J. Sparkman. Um, you still have Loic Fungi. And so the three of them, in some form or fashion, will rotate at those two outside spots. 
And then if you do have Brady Boyd playing outside, you do have Dre McCray playing outside, um, you know, it, it's it's a lot of mouths to feed. And so, and you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a lot of mouths to feed, which can be challenging for an offensive coordinator, but also gives you a ton of different sets that you can work out of. Um, whether that's four wide, if you want to do trips a lot, you know, you can, the fact that you have that flexibility with guys like Brady Boyd and Dre McCray means you can get really creative. And we know Kitley has shown a proclivity for that. Um, so, yeah, I think Jaron Bradley on the outside, Miles Price on the inside are like the only two that you'd consider pretty solid. And then there's really good competition at the tight end spot and, and all the other receiver spots. So, um, Maybe spring is a chance for a guy to really win a job and solidify himself, or maybe, you know, everybody kind of just splits reps throughout spring, and that foreshadows uh, how the reps will be played out during the fall as well. That position group is also the only new coach. Yep. Yeah, very little coaching turnover. Emma Jones uh, takes off for OU, and so you bring in Juice from Baylor. Um, but yeah, that's that's quite a bit of continuity, especially in today's college football. There's usually more staff turnover than that, especially um, in Texas Tech's college football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I think that's really an underrated aspect. I mean, as fans, of course, we all pay attention to the players and for good reason. But you know, there was that stretch. I think it was it preceded Cliff and then extended into Cliff's tenure. But you had like six defensive coordinators in six years. Yeah. Before you finally got David Gibbs to stick. And that's like, I, I think this is accurate, but Terrence Bullitt, a five-year guy, and he graduated as a fifth-year senior, and he played for five different defensive coordinators. Yeah. And that, that's just no way to build, um, uh, build like a comfort level or familiarity with a system. And it, it, it's an underrated aspect of this, that guys are being coached by the same position coach, running the same system, same schemes, same terminology going into year two. And hopefully year three, year four, like that's huge for a player's development. And even when you did have Gibbs, it was new secondary coaches every year, it seemed like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that is not the case this year. The full defensive staff returns. And really, with the, with the exception of... Tyree Wilson, Creshawn Merriweather, and uh, Muddy Waters, you and Reggie Pearson, you kind of return everybody, right? So defensive line, obviously, you can say there's going to be a step back at that Tyree Wilson position. You're not going to just replace the top five. Well, now hold on a top five draft pick every year. I think you have people on campus that can get into that role maybe. Um, and obviously the track record of um, DeRuiter has been solid at that position. Um, but defensive line, I feel really good about with Hutchings and Bradford back and uh, Josiah Pierre and Adeta Ray and all the guys that didn't play last year and will be in the mix this year, McAlpine and everything. Uh, linebacker might be like going into last year, the position you kind of worry about the most, if worry is the right word. Let's, let's save defense for the next episode. Okay. So we can go a little more in depth. Uh, I do have thoughts on that defensive end position and everything that you alluded to. 
Um, the defense I want to talk about right now, Rob, is if you're ever in an unfortunate circumstance and you need legal defense, you should call our friends over at Barnett, Howard & Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. Now, how do you know that they're great attorneys, Rob? Well, all three partners went to Texas Tech for undergrad and for law school, so that's how you know. They do it all. They do criminal defense, catastrophic injury, family law, you name it. They hope you never need them, but you've got somebody really solid in your corner. Should you ever need legal assistance, Barnett Howard and Williams Law Firm, bhwlawfirm.com for more information. Before we wrap up, let's do the mailbag. Do you have something else you want to do? Nope. Awesome. All right. So our our mailbag for new listeners to the podcast, uh, all these questions are submitted by a group of friends we call the Parlay Picadors. Those are subscribers to our Patreon account where uh, we have access to uh, private interviews that are not on our typical podcast feed. You get access to the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server anywhere on the interwebs. And it uh, gives you access to the mailbag where you can ask us any question you want. We answer most of them, just depending on how ridiculous the nature of the question might be. And there are some really crazy ones sometimes. <laughs> so we're appreciative that Rob filters through those. And the mailbag is sponsored by our friends over at Diversified Lenders, diversifiedlenders.com. Red Raider owned and operated, helping your business get the cash it needs now diversifiedlenders.com. Thank you for your support of the Gambling Gauchos. First question, following last year's season, what are your expectations for a successful year two under Joey? People aren't going to like this answer. I agree. Because they want to make a huge leap. Yeah. They want to go from seven and five with a bowl win to like Big 12 title game appearance. Yeah. And I want to as well. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But that is a big leap. So... If you told me we were one game better in the regular season, I'd probably say that's – if you go eight and four, I'd say that's a successful season, especially with Oregon and the non-con. You know, that's a legit – you're playing ten power five teams in the regular season, good ones, um, and then a bowl game. So if you go – if you win nine games, whether that's bowl or nine and three in the regular season, I'm taking that. I'm going to go further than you. Obviously, eight and four with the same Big Twelve record is eight and four, or the five and four Big Twelve record. But you go three and zero oh in non-con. That's eight and four. I don't care about the non-con. If you repeat what you did in the Big Twelve and go five and four, regardless of the non-con, which you should go two and one at the the least, that's successful. Because I that agree. is not something you've done at Texas Tech, but once since two thousand nine. So. Yeah, so- I, I agree with you. You're not you're not too good to yeah. have that result for the second time in 15 years. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Bill Walton's kid says, "Do you like football?" Yes. yes. Well, no, I love football. Yeah, I don't like it. I love it. Yeah, want some more of it. Power rank the incoming Big 12 fan bases. Ooh, let's uh, start bench. Cut process. Process. Yeah. Yeah. Process is one rung above cut. Because okay. process implies that you help them find a landing spot. Cut is kind of like okay. Um, I'm I'm starting BYU. Agreed. Probably the friendliest fan base I've ever come across. They're very nice, including our own. Like I think BYU fans are nicer to us. 
um, on the whole than like, I mean, 95% of tech fans are outstanding, but like tech fans probably get mad at us more often than BYU fans. Uh, I'm benching Cincinnati. I'm with you they so seem, far. They seem like a fun fan base uh, with a strong presence. Where I'm struggling is this. And I'm not trying to take a shot at another Texas school because yeah. you know we're, we're here with Dave Campbell's Republic of Football. I hardly know any Houston fans. Yeah. Like I, I know they're out there, but like, where are you on Twitter and YouTube and, and message boards? Like they're one of the least responsive in my estimation. Now, is it better to be an absent fan base? Yes. Or to be the most annoying fan base? Yep. You process Houston. Ever... Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm struggling. Like, do you dock Houston for not showing up? Or yeah. do you dock UCF for showing up and being really annoying? Yeah, you you dock UCF, the uh, University of Central Florida, and hope that you never have to run into them because they are so annoying, and they hate so, uh, they hate Texas. So we're processing Houston and cutting Central Florida. Yeah, cutting okay. them hard. Fair. Like telling their next coach how bad they were. Yeah. Not that we would do that. Uh, how about that Joey McGuire? Uh, will you sign my petition to name the football hand egg? No. Would you sign that petition? I don't know what that means, so I'll say no. Yeah. Uh, favorite Texas high school football mascot? Ooh. So I like the new Bronzeville's unicorns. Yeah. Shout out Cliff Kingsbury. Personal favorite, Mason Punchers. Mason Punchers, that's a good one. I've always, you know, I'm biased here. I've always liked that the Lubbock ISD schools are kind of in unison. Yeah. You've got the Matadors, the Plainsmen, the Westerners, and the Mustangs all kind of fitting that Western theme. Um, how about the Stingerines? The what? The Stingerines. I have never heard of that. I think it's Texas City. I have never the Stingerines. Yeah, that's one I've never heard of, and I feel like I'm pretty tuned in. Let me. I'm gonna fact check that live. You got the Pipe Pipers. Uh, I don't know what school they're affiliated with. Yeah, uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> the Hamilton Pipe Pipers. I think is what it is. The Stingerines. I was, I was a Westwood Warrior. Uh, we were the Eagles. I'll see. Sorry, I'm mispronouncing it. It's Stingerees, not Stingerines. Stingerees. Okay. I still yeah. have never heard of that. That's Texas City? Texas City. Um, well, you learn something new every day, huh? Yeah, so uh, I don't know what a Stingeree is from their website. They've got... Is it like a hornet? It almost looks like a Stingray. Oh, like Which a manatee kind sense. of thing? Yeah, but their header photo is like a cowboy on a horse, and so that's how I was. I don't know. They might they might want to unify their branding a little bit. Yeah, but go Stingerees. Since Oklahoma State copies everything Texas Tech does, which Texas high school football coach will they be hiring after Week Eight? <laughs> Man, um, would they go after Jeff Trailer? They would be smart too. I feel like people have only viewed Jeff Trailer's next stop as it has to be in the state of Texas. 
But yeah. Oklahoma State, they recruit Texas players. They play in the same conference as a bunch of Texas schools. I think he'd be a really good fit there. Yeah. I also don't think they should fire Gundy. I think we diverge a little bit there. I think Gundy should probably just leave on his own. Um, Lots of four- and five-star guys showed up for Junior Day. What are the odds Joey and company sign a top 15 class for the 2024 cycle? I'm going to say odds are low because they won't have the room to take the volume of prospects that they took this last class, in my opinion. Now, the numbers always seem like they can be fudged and there's a workaround. That was what drove me crazy about Matt Wells' stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, we have 11 guys and we're full. And I'm like, how is that How is that possible? Uh, and then, like, Joey comes in and adds 11 more and somehow there's spots for him. Yeah. But at some point – like there is a limit on roster spots and scholarship spots. And since you took so many this last cycle, I think you'll maybe take something more like 18 or 20 instead of 25. And that can, that can limit your high end range of where you finish. Now you can still have a really good class with a, yeah. a, a good average recruit ranking, like average star rating. Um, but I don't think it'll be top 15. I would be surprised if Joey and company didn't live under 30 and then punched up to 15 every once in a while when he had a big class or a big recruit. Yeah. Like if Micah Hudson signs the five-star wide receiver, yeah, all of a sudden that kind of changes the trajectory of the class. For sure. Will Vince Young ever pick up his player of the year trophy? <laughs> I, it, I guess it's not looking good if he hasn't yet. Yeah, I don't think so. A start bench cut Dave Campbell, Bruce Campbell, or Neve Campbell? Nev Campbell? Nev. Is it Nev? I think so. 90s actress? Um, I'm starting Dave Campbell, obviously. I'm a I'm a company man. Agreed. So I'm loyal there. Um bench Nev Campbell. Cut the other one. Who who else was it? Bruce Campbell, I would bench Bruce Campbell. Who is Bruce Campbell? Bruce Campbell is um, in a series of movies. Evil Dead? Is that what he's in? He's got... Um, me, but I haven't seen that. He's got uh, cameos, I believe, in Spider-Man, maybe. He was in Burn Notice. <laughs> Did you ever watch the USA drama Burn Notice? No. <laughs> he was great in it. Um, regardless of who's under center, what major differences do you expect to see from the offense in year two under Kitley? I think you'll have a better vertical passing game. Yeah. I think that was one of your weak spots last year. And I think that Jaron Bradley in a, in a possession type skill set will be targeted more down the field. And I think Dre McCray, like I alluded to earlier, will using his speed um, be a target downfield more often. So I think that's an element that wasn't there for you very much last season. Oh, by the way, Loic Fungi, guy we didn't really uh, we briefly alluded to him. Um, I don't know if he was ever fully healthy last season after like game one. And he looked pretty fast in the bowl game against Ole Miss after having a few weeks rest. And so he's another guy with, I think, some pretty high-end athleticism that could be featured more in the deep passing game. So yeah. that, that's what I'll go with. I don't think you've seen the best from 
Bradley or Fungi. I think both of them have really high upside. Um, this is something we've talked about quite a bit and something we'll talk about way more later, so you don't have to give me broad thoughts or anything, but thoughts on the TCU game being on a Thursday night? Do you want to save that one? We can stretch our legs a little bit. Sure. Okay. We'll answer that one later, TW. My, my quick thoughts is that I would prefer weekday games to be on Friday. Yes, agreed. Or you know, I, can, I can expand on it more yeah. at another time. But there's another question I want to save. I'm not even going to read it right now. Uh, but next time we record, tell me awards, and we'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, we'll also talk about the next two questions on the next few episodes. Uh, these are really good questions, but I just don't. I don't want to go through them right now because I want to do a little homework. Um, the last one, you really think ESPN would forsake their dear old SEC? No, and I don't know that. Uh, I don't know why that question is asked in the mailbag today. Did something happen? Did I miss something? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what that was in response to. Um, no. Yeah, especially okay. with the Big Ten now yeah. locking out ESPN. Uh, if they weren't already all in on the SEC, they are now. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I'm I'm honored to be part of this new uh, Republic of Football Network with you, my friend. Uh, had you told me a year and a half ago when we started this in your apartment, uh, recording at your kitchen table, that like, oh hey, by the time we get to spring ball in 2023, we'll be linked up with some other great content creators with Dave Campbell's, I'd be like, yeah, right. Um, so it is really cool. Uh, super excited to um, grow our reach a little bit and also grow up we're able to bring to our listeners and like i said looking forward to also interacting with some of these other folks within the network and uh doing a little bit better job of following utsa football and utep football baylor football and everyone around the state so just happy to be here rob wouldn't want to do it with anyone else kyle that's my final thought go dave I don't, believe, I don't believe you but thank you for saying that but who else would i want to do it with i don't know anybody else <laughs> Go buy some gambling gauchos merch at uh, mycardinalsports.com. Root for West Virginia in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Those are my final thoughts, too. All right. Love you all.